am I ready now? <laughs> Me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Ladies and futures, welcome to the School for Witness, the only podcast that seems to be removed from the Zero Lord, quote-unquote, inappropriate. Don't know what you're talking about. My name is Toby DePollett, and I have a question for you, my um, have you ever looked at the Harry Potter shows, obviously Jackson Lee Place, and thought, it's fine, I guess. It could use more sex in I guess. Well, you may have come to the right seat in the right bar in the right town. Every waking moment, we get closer to John Wick's director, Chad Strick. Sure. <laughs> We're getting close to Chad's film adaptation, so it's good as time as any. To get you up to speed on a character named James Butler Stark mm. and the Tale of Sam. It's, it's a great I for- name. I forgot he had... He has a lot of names. There's just that man has been named. The man who must be. Pretty much is where we're at. There's a scroll button gone. Oh, thank you, Bobby. I don't have paper today. We're trying to do an electronic version of the podcast, which I know sounds a lot weirder than, you know, it should. Where the fuck did it go? It was there. It's just gone again. <laughs> it's still there. I, I apologize. This could be rough. A two-parter. Well. Maybe. Depends. We're out. All right. Joining me on this weird, horrible IT nightmare adventure, um, and our first, I think our first, joining me is, um, our producer. Hi, I'm here. Which is not there, but here. And of course I'm joined by you, listener. The listener's here. <laughs> yep, show us you are out there by rating, review, wherever, put our back out with that hour shot of Yeah, killing circles. No, I'm not sure what to say about the author here. The man writes cynical, noir, supernatural, like no his business. Um, even... Breaking, even breaking into our wheelhouse to a few issues of Hellblazer and Lucifer. See, Colin. Which we? Mm-hmm. Um, his Richard Cadry. <laughs> I'm going to say right off the bat here. Yes. Yep. His book, Sandman Slim, is in the Amazon's list of 100 saying in a lifetime. I couldn't hard website. Yeah. Um, but it's in there. Yep. Um, Coming to the end of the next book. Ow. You get out of here. Um, yep. It's a ripe old series um, coming to an end in the next book. Yeah, the next one. Yeah, because heard... this one is the... Yep, like I mentioned, it's getting um, all going in. Nope. Or how we found. Very questionably. We were on, on a geeky expedition, as we do, and I was looking for comic book shops, accidentally stumbled across an actual bookshop that was like Bond. down an alley, up some stairs, down some stairs, up some other stairs. In the deepest re- some sort of building. Yeah, it was actually a little creepy. We thought we might die. Um, and we went into the shop and it was like only science fiction stuff and like an actual like novel bookstore. Yeah. Um, not that there's anything wrong with those. I'm just, it it's just not what we were looking for. Yeah, when you Google can't expect bookstores. Yeah. Um, so we had a look around, made fun of some interesting titles that they had, and then you found this book that looked kind of fancy. All the book covers of this series look like. Yeah. So it did catch me. I was like, well, we walked all the way here and didn't die. <laughs> so Which we may true. as well leave with something. Yeah. So I got this book? Maybe. I, I don't know if you got one. Or... They did have the whole series, but we were definitely like, eh, we'll just grab, yeah. you know, a couple and come back to it. Mm-hmm. And then... I read them. Well, <laughs> no, them. there was there's a little while there. But eventually we got around to reading them. And next thing I know, he was like, we must love them. And I was like, wow, you're really like... For a man that doesn't read a lot of books, you're hooked. And and so I started, I was like, oh, oh, I see why you read this. These are good. And so now we own them. Even assigned a... I'm very proud of my um, first book in Australia. You ready to get into it? Okay. It's been a while. Sam Man Slim. People say 
Hollywood Forever series has glimpses natural. And you got Rudolph Fallon has been known to hang around there. Bit rape. Like Fatty Arbuckle. Allegedly. Tragically foreshadowing. It. It's one of those we have to say allegedly kind of a. You know that. You know the one. Um, the book opens up after a day after Christmas when a man burns into reality in a pile of leaves and garbage. This man then assaults a coked out man and robs him. Book Meet, he was asking for it. Meet our protagonist. Yep. For the next 11 books and two short stories, freshly escaping from hell itself with nothing but a coin, a black blade, and a key um, that he keeps inside his door. The only, you know, reasonable place to keep the key. Um, yeah, I'll go into more of key and the blade later, but for now we start with Huss coin. Yeah. It is a magical coin. He is brought up back from hell. It's kind of like a sarcastic coin, both sides of it. I, I wouldn't mind it. It's like a it's like a very adaptive, I guess. Yes. But also... A, yes. Um. Yeah, so now that he's back on Earth, it has Home Sweet Home written around it, and he asks it to go to Hollywood or home, and he flips the coin and it sends him... Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is most of the reason we would like the coin. Should I get the apple or the cherry? Apple it is. So while, while walking along, he sees a sign with tiki torches burning on either side. Um, it says Bamboo House of... It's a very important place throughout the series. Yeah, it's a key location. All the books. A lot of the things come and go, but that's all. There is, like, a few places, both in the real world and in hell, that, like, they're very significant. Um, um, it's a punk tiki bar. Which is, you know... An odd combination. No, it's total sense. Alright, you got black walls covered in Iggy and Circle Joe posters, while the rest of the decoration is all, like, pump fronds. Yeah. Um, it's not a popular hangout spot that it'll become later. Um, no, this stage is just, like, a hole in the wall. Yeah. It's just our protagonist and the bartender. Mm-hmm. Are you picking that right up now? A little. Fuck. I can't. It's <laughs> a natural consequence. I can't go outside and say, excuse me, Mr. Rain, could you please stop? Call you a juvie. Um, alright. We'll just have to talk over it. Okay. Okay, great. Um, yep, so it's just the protagonist and the bartender, who, I'm saving the name for when it pops up, arbitrarily, I don't actually think it mattered that much when it did. No. It's fine. It is the protagonist, you know, the guy from Persona 5? <laughs> I mean, According to the pop the fact, final. Considering the fact, I, just, I love YouTube does this the best, mm-hmm. when you click on a video, and it's very clearly in the title what this video is going to be about. And then they lead up to it. And then they lead up to it. I hate doing that for the podcast because it's in the episode title too. But I also <laughs> the like thing. the fact that they do the whole, you know, they'll be like, and you'll never guess what happened, except for the fact that it's the title of the video. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I clicked on it for that purpose. Yeah, I'm saving up his name, but I've already, it's like in the three minute audio. <laughs> yeah. Great. Sorry, I just, you know. It, it, they, build, they build it up in the book. They do. So trying to replicate a little yeah because at this stage he's just a dude that's climbed out of a cemetery and is on now fire wandering the and town. beat up a crackhead oh sorry a coke fiend and then went to a bar yeah what an adventure um yep so the bartender acknowledged the uh protagonist that you know he's, he points out that he looks like shit and lets him have a jack daniels on the hand uh weird music is playing in the bar odd tropical music with random bird noise throughout um the cd behind the bar is martin denny we, we have the record for it now. It It is literally like... Is it what it is? 1960s... I'd have to Google it, but it's speakeasy, old. Speakeasy, like... We want them to feel like they're on a tropical island, but not. It's like weird tropical... Yeah. It's it's an interesting, you know, background music to have playing in a punk bar. Yeah, from around then. Yeah, look at me go. I'm just... Yeah. 
pulling things out here. Um, protagonist, whose name is purposely being left out, has asked for a newspaper. It is revealed that he has been gone 11, um, 11 years in hell. He left Earth at 19 and has returned. Practically an old man. Yeah. No offense. I take some. But he says... I mean, if you left at 19, then yes, you would think that you're an old man at 30. Um, the two... Um, yeah, so him and the bartender are chatting a little bit over Jack Daniels your coffee. Yeah. Not the best diets in this book series. Look, it's I've like never, an Irish coffee. I've read 11 of these books. No. I don't think I can picture a time protagonist has drunk a hard black coffee or alcohol, right? No, but he's definitely eaten steak at some point, so it's not completely unhealthy. Meat's good. Um, he eats Mexican regularly at the punk taco, at the punk tiki bar. At the punk taco bar. Punk <laughs> taco bar. Alright, so yeah, they, they have a bit of a chat, he's like, you from around here? He's like, I was born here, but I've been away, and the bartender's the pleasure, he's like, I was away for incarceration, he's like, so where'd you come back? He's like, I'm, I'm here to kill people. Probably a lot of people. And I like that the bartender Carlos is so chill about everything. Yeah, sure, why not? He's great. And Carlos is a name that protagonists automatically knew. Well, at this point it doesn't really, but well, eventually it, look, he's it keeps happening. Look, he's surprised like... by it. Um, anyway, Carlos is buttering this hard-ass looking crazy dude. He's buttering him mm-hmm. to get him in the bar more often. So the bar has been receiving visits from a group of Aryan men who would like to receive protection. Mm. Latino men. I mean, the fact that you had to mention Aryan men. They're Nazis. Really. <laughs> They're Nazis. Let's just call it as it is. <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah, and he's like, maybe there's something this weird, scarred up lunatic that just rocked up. Maybe there's something he could do about it. He looks like he knows violence. He, at, at least he's he literally looks like a creepy dude. P- well, his clothes have been on fire today. No, he got new clothes off the crackhead. He's still, yeah, he stole a coat. He's wearing a nice new coat and burnt clothes everywhere else. That's fine. No, it's very subtle. Yeah. It's it's okay. Yeah, he's like, look, free drinks and food for life, if he could do something about it. But protagonist decides to get out of there and turn down the offer. He wants to stick to the story missions and avoid unnecessary side quests. I, which just... is something he always tries but never does. <laughs> so, he, he's really bad at so it. It's a horrible habit. He I will never be the something. end of Skyrim. Oh, no. He would never be the end of Skyrim. No, he wouldn't make He'd be doing side quests. Carlos could have, like... He's such a great dude... Mm. But he co- totally could have, like, backed out of that at any point. Because Stark goes in and out of hell regularly. I could just be like, no, you died again. Off a life of reality. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he minds because as the books transpire, the chaos and bullshit that this man just brings oh, with him all the, the time. Oh, it makes the famous. Yeah, it becomes like a landmark. So he's like, I'll keep you here because you're a human billboard of a man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is, a, that's what he is. He's just like an old school neon sign. Yeah. He's like, fight here. Mm. Um, Alright, so yeah, he wants to... He, he just wants to stick to where he's back on Earth for, and that's it. Um, but Carlos gives him, like, his you know pack of cigarettes on his way out. And on that note, the classic detective noir bullshit in this book, like, in the entire series is nice. Yeah. It's not all strictly Harry Potter on me. There's It's got all sorts of it really, genre-based it, things yeah. in it. So it really it, plays with the fact of it's a Hollywood... F- it's not even that, it just... It, Dips its toes into a lot of things. Yeah. Like the quote, damn, when a man gives you his last thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. I suppose he's not people being nice to him. He's been, as we'll try, he's been in a gladiatorial arena like the guy from Gua this whole time. But the thing with, like, there aren't a lot of good quotes throughout the series. But that's but it's because got the attitude, all of though. the dialogue is good. And it's all very fast-paced. Like, 
It's it's not quotes, it's conversations bouncing yeah. back and forth. And so, like, um, Scott Ari Pleasant used to... Mm. All the conversations were good, no individual quote measured up. Yeah. All the smart-ass back and forth. And that's the thing. And it really depends on, like, who each character is talking to as to why they're good. Like, the dialogue is very different, and it's like... I don't know, you don't feel like you're just talking to the same person over and over again. It's very much oh, Everyone's unique. very unique in it. Yeah. Yep, as I said, he wants to focus on his story mission, which is Alice. Yeah. The only woman he has ever loved. Well, he was nine. I had, I added has, because I know you have preferences, buddy. Again, he was 19. We've all been there. I'm sure you and I. I mean, that happened. Yep, she was the uh, bright light in his dark grizzly life. Um, she was murdered recently. Mm. Um, who by? Well, let's start by talking to the six magicians in the circle that um, protagonist used to roll with, the ones that sent him to hell in the first. It's not very nice. So before his time, you know, he was technically killed. He, he wasn't technically killed. He was dragged there. Yeah, they opened hell. up a magical portal and he fell in. Yeah, in, in you get, buddy. Um, so while reflecting on his 11 years of wind, how scared and somewhat feral hell has left him. Again, he was dropped in through yeah. a magical portal. Um, he finds himself at the front of Max Overdrive. Another location in fiction that I would like to get inside. Um, uh, we see a little man go inside the video store with coffee and donuts. Kasabian in the circle. Yeah. Um, it's not bullshit convinced to him specifically over here. Yeah, the point. Um, in this one, Max Overdrive is just... Yeah, it's just... But I like what it ends up becoming. Dimension. Well, that's the thing. They, like, because they're getting into shenanigans, shenanigans cost money. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, look, a blockbuster isn't making sense because streaming services exist. You remember whose idea that was? Lucifer. Oh, true. <laughs> um, so they, like, eventually they end up paying a bunch of magic people to go and find... Well, they have, like, a witch that comes in and goes, like, hey, I was just, like, dimensionally trip traveling and I found a dimension that has Hellboy 3. And they're like, we will take a coffee. And yeah. she says, give me a percentage, and they say, you got it. Yeah, so they're, like, it starts off as just, like, a blockbuster... But by the end of the series, it's like anything that you can't get, they have. Cool. Anyone who wants to see um the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, when they actually finally do the lizard. Oh shit, you could actually see um the Tim Burton Two-Face. But that's the thing. It'd be great. And it's not just films that never happened. It's like films that happened, but Wrong. before they were recast or mm. like before they were edited down. So like... Different versions. Of yeah, it's the different versions. of. So that's why it's like... It ends up being a really cool place. Hey, Kyle. Yes. I bet they have a... That's it. I'm moving. <laughs> Thought that would affect you. Um, all right. So this this scene, after running into Kasabian, introduces us to the second item that he has brought up from hell with him. The key. Yeah. Keys open doors. They do. But this one's in his chest. If doors were shadows. Oh. So he steps into darkness and steps out in a place called the room. Um, a space in the center of the universe. What do you think it looks like? A room of 13 doors. Do you think it just looks like a room? Yeah. It's probably old, so it'd have, like, fancy tiled floor and stuff, but it's just a room. It's, it's, it's like, a weird one. It's like the foyer of the haunted... I went, like, in this book specifically, it does mention there's a stone floor. Mm. But in my head, because they're always, like, it's the center of... I picture it like Doctor Strange-esque shit. Like, he would step out, and there's just a circle of doors in space. Nah. <laughs> like, there's a ground, and he can stand in it. But I picture stars and galaxies and nah, shit out there. I'm definitely going with, like, Haunted Boyle. Oh, yeah, sure. Probably just like a fucking castle. I don't know. But, yeah, in my head, I'm, I'm like, as I'm rereading it and I see the stone floors, I'm like, I will settle for a floor, but we are still in space. Okay. <laughs> it is important to me we go to space where there's nowhere. There's problems with my... Th- 
Okay, <laughs> understand. We that. know that. All right. It's not the first time it's happened. Anyway, he uses this like a teleport. Pretty much. He'll step in, he'll go through one of the doors and he'll pop out. Well, each door leads to a, like a specific place. But a vague sp- Yeah. Like he'll go through a door that's like will take him to what he wants. It. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit like Jack Sparrow's compass. Yeah, I suppose it is. He thinks about what he wants and then that's where it points. Um, yep, yeah, so he steps into the room from the street and comes out in the aisle. Of, um, and it's... It's not the jump Steve Rogers dealt with, but for our hero, or anti-hero, I guess, um, he's surprised to find the VHSs aren't popping. Mm. It's all DVD. Um, and for the record, in the most recent games, that streaming is bullshit, because he doesn't want the library to be decided by us. I mean, I agree with I just, that. I, I love the... Nothing makes his book feel more outdated than him showing up and being like, DVDs, huh? I'm like, oh, dude, Blu-rays. <laughs> don't is, don't it... even get comfortable, man, because smartphones are coming. No, he deals with smartphones at one point. He's not very good at them. He's, no, he he's sucks not under- at them. He doesn't understand how to get an into. No, it's it's very much like. That's what I mean. It's like don't even get comfortable because you're about to hit like um now era. Yeah. And Blu-rays and, stuff. It, and don't it's, get comfortable it's like with going from the nineties to going to now. Yeah, I mean with nothing did. in between. Yeah, that's legitimately. Do you reckon he knows um left eye from TLC is dead? Someone better. <laughs> However, I don't think he cares. You're Waterfall probably is right. Quite his song. <laughs> Very... I, don't, I don't see him singing and in the shower. Hey, look, he, he's narrating his own story. He might be trying to sound tough. He might like it, I'll see. Guilty picture. He might have a horrible... <laughs> Alright, so, Kasabian is going through the, the day's receipts when he is repro- approached by a shadowy man. And he's like, um, you know, do you want money? There's shit all of it as a video. Um, and the protag, who's really making the most of this stressed out little drum queen of a character... He comes in and whispers, he's like, I don't want your money. And then he steps out of the shadow into the light. Um, he creeps a little closer and is shot five times in the chest. The end. Time for homework. Not quite, sir. Um, he explained to us, reading along, that when he first got to hell, um, he was the first and only living man there. He well, was... that's not all that surprising, really. Most people are dead when they... Most. He was paraded around like a free show attraction until the Hellions got bored and put him in the arena to fight to the death. Um, while there, Hellions with money on the fights would bribe around, maybe hedging their bets with special weapons, or a drug to make him stronger, perhaps even a demonic spell to make him more powerful. Their bets. Correct. Also, we should point out, you can die in hell. Yeah, if you die in hell, you die in real life. Well, that's because most people that go to hell are dead. Yeah, well... So there's a, like, second hell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all these, all these hedged bets continue until some Hellions saw potential in the guy. Mm-hmm. So he would, he would be let out of his cage sometimes to be a hitman. Again, being boosted and taught spells and to become an... Yeah, because, you know, this man managed to get to hell alive, so there's something about him that, you know... It's not even just that. Like, they're constantly... They're pretty much doing, like, a demonic version of Captain of this guy to try and get him to win a fight, so get 50 bucks, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, at this point, Kasabian uses... He's the one who finally says the name of Stark. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, he's there. He's got things to say. Stark grabs the gun, hand, and flips Cass on it and cuts him across the throat with the Black Blade. The third hell item. Yeah. This isn't its main use, Um, but he decaps- decapitates Cass in a certain way, so the head rolling under the divvy rack is not dead. No. Um, He mostly uses it to open locks and start cutting. I don't yeah, know if it's that's its like... intended purpose, but it's uh, magical. Yeah, it's it's not like a actual blade. It's just like a what handy dandy pocket like? knife. I know it's made out of, like, bone, but there's some fucking nah. cutlass. I, I reckon it's, like... It's a... Right? Like, it's a small knife. Yeah. 
right? I, he tucked it into a boot. It's not a machete. No. I, I reckon it's only, you know, right, four or five page. inches. I just, I've been... Split. And, like, scallop. There's a few fan arts ago. There's no way it is a weapon accessory. Um, all right. That's good, Dilly. Okay, good. So he takes the two pieces of Cass upstairs and starts to question the head about Mason, the guy that was in charge of the big magic six people. It's not really a big circle. The alpha. The Draco to everyone else's crab and goyle. Mm. I don't have any more after. I know a few characters. I can tell. And I'm bad at picking one. Yes. Um, Here we get told about Parker as well. Mm-hmm. Who is Mason's enforcer? So, Bodyguard. I mean, he is. He's, he's the mini boss. You know, yeah, you know how it is. Um, yeah, he's a big brute guy who's happy to get his hands dirty whenever possible because Sabian doesn't know. After Stark was sacrificed for everyone else's magical boost, um, Mason and Parker pretty much took off and left. Cass wasn't much of a vision to start with, and he was pretty much forgotten about. He's a bit like a squab. Another Harry Potter thing. Yep. He's a bit like a loser. It's someone that's born to magical but doesn't have an innate magical power themselves. I think he's yeah, he's a poor, silly, bodiless bastard. Stark can tell if he's lying or not. Like the name trick from before, he just sort of knows these things. Um, the two people he mentioned, they were the ones likely to be the ones. Uh, and with that, Kasabian is put into a closet with a TV. Yeah. And Stark's moved in. Well, I mean, no one lives there. Except for a head. Um, from here to keep the podcast under six months. Yeah. I'm going to skip around some stuff. We meet Allegra, who is a shaved-headed black girl, who currently works at the video store, but will go on to study under and befriend a guy named... Um, um, he is an immortal French alchemist, Anthe, and probably the only close friend of Stark. Yeah. I mean, he we meet up with a lot of characters that Stark knows, but Vidoc... Yeah. And Vidoc is immortal because his alchemy potions blew up in his face. He did something that fucked up and just doesn't aid. And everyone's like, that's so cool. How did you do that? He's like, I don't know how I did it. I don't know and how to do it. And frankly, I don't like it. Yeah. It's just because that's like, I, miss, I feel like that becomes a I'm, part of the I miss thing. guillotines and revolutions and shit. And everyone's like, just go to calm down. <laughs> and like, he's very much like, I can't go back to France because it's weird now. And, and like, technically I'm a murderer, but yeah. killing. So I don't really want to deal with it. He's, he's an interesting I certainly don't want to do with. life in prison because it's forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, we meet him too. Stark gets a long coat and switches his stand throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks Cass about the other Circle members, the ones I do not fucking remember <laughs> because it's been a while since I read book one. Yeah, no, they don't appear ongoingly. No. Some of them do. But you've got Jane Anne, who mm-hmm. is a fancy-dressed librarian type with um, cunning roots, like if the Wicked Witch of... Yeah. Um, Kai, would you like to describe Cherry? Do you want me to start with, like... Right now, or... You go as hard as you like. Okay. I'm giving you a lot of free reign with characters. Okay, hopefully I get the right character. She wanted desperately to be a little anime girl. Yeah, she's the so weeb of the group. She did a lot of, like, witchcraft and trickery and stuff, so that she looks like a 14-year-old... 12. Oh, 12-year-old... Even worse, yep. Um, like, Lolita girl? She, she got the big eyes and brown face and... Anime. Yeah. Horny. Disgusting. Yeah. I like... The, I think the word's juxtaposition mm-hmm. between her and Stark because she's like a tiny little anime girl fuck off. Yeah. And she's like, why don't you look? Because this, like the whole thing. Yeah. And I think she knows that it shits him, so she does it more. As if you wouldn't. But she's a, she's a character. That... Yeah, but she changes. Yeah. She, she goes changes She goes through it, a lot yeah. of stuff, but she's, I always like, hates her so much. Yeah. But, feel, but feels like bad for her in certain so he's like, like, I'm not helping. So I'm just yeah. letting you know. It's like um, the very grumpy, like, older stepbrother. Yeah. 
the judgment. Um, yeah, you have the young hippie named TJ. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see much of him because after seeing the demons and what they did with Stark, he um just kind of got sad and freaked out and hung himself. I mean, it makes sense. It's not like a great thing to be hanging out with. I think he might. I think the little hippie boy in PTSD after sacrificing. Yeah. Look, it sounds <laughs> fun and games when you're talking about it, but when you do it, it's all fun and games till you send a dude into hell. Okay, eventually we roll around to the night of the week. The skinheads rock up dust of dust. Um, a lot of the time Stark will try and avoid side quests, but his need for action and blowing off steam and starting will often cause him to deviate. Yeah. Um, he he goes and has a nice little bar fight. The fights are well written. Um, I can follow them in like my mind's eye. Or yeah, it it's kind definitely of like a, plays out like a fluid. It's like when I see really good pa- choreographed. Well, yeah. I suppose. Um, the other part of the main story comes from here when one of the thugs has a helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that some of Heaven and Hell's stuff is seeping into L.A. Well, Hell is supposed to stay in Hell. Yeah. Most people can't tr- literally like Stark. Yeah. That should be it, which is why that's happening. Now, the Sandman Slim verse has a lot of great tasting tastes that they scrape together or whatever the peanut butter and jelly. Right. Cup, whatever the Reese's peanut butter cup used to be. Two great tastes. Okay. Yeah, it's like that. It has comic book anti-hero stuff. It has, you know, like... The, the magic stuff as well. It like feels a little demon road esque. Um, and the mysterious detective kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. now, books like those need a quick witted, fast talking female to keep up with the man. Yeah, them's the rules. The femme fatale. Yep, I bring this up for Kaya some stuff because um Stark calls a sub rosa doctor named Kinsk. Sub rosa, you didn't know. This. No, uh, I did not know this. Is a Latin phrase means under the rope. Yeah, which talks about the thorns. Um, it's it's a fancy word. Supposed to mean, um, which I never. Um, yeah, it means all the secret magic people. I mean, we don't use Latin these days. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about Doc Kinski when we meet him properly. But this is the first time that Stark speaks to his reception, who is Candy. Yes. Um. So, Candy, do, do you want me to like spoil it, or do you want me to keep it like? Look, this episode is to bring people up to speed before the John Wick happened. So you give them as much as. Okay. So Candy is. She looks a little bit like a punk girl. She's small. She's got, like, shaggy kind of hair. She's very regularly mentioned as looking like she's part of the, um... Oh, what? She looks like, like, Jonah. So yeah, it's... that's her, like, regular description. But she's just kind of, like, short and pale, with dark shaggy hair, and very quick-wicked, very sarcastic, will not take anybody's crap, but at the same time is very caring and loving and stuff like that. Um, she's a bit more... Yeah. I have a question. Okay. At one point in this book, and only this book, it describes her voice as, like, holiday. That old... Yeah, we tried to... I can't tell if she's doing a funny... Or if that's just actually how I talk. It's never brought up again. So that might just be how she... I would say that's how she Is sounds. that okay with you? Yeah, because she's it's very, not, like... It's very old-timey and high-pitched. It's kind of okay. fun. The thing with her is... I mean, she's smaller than she's I'm She's not it. a human. So she's probably been around for quite some time. I don't know how they age. I'm, I'm yeah, going to say that she's, you know, been around for a while. She's also the kind of person that would have listened to, like, an accent in a film and just been like, that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it might not be her actual voice, but it might be. It's like a Tara um, Strong thing. She's been doing it for so long, she doesn't know what her actual voice is. Yeah. Um. So after talking with her, V-Doc and Stark go to the empty space where since home used to be. Yeah. It's completely removed, but the basement still remains. Um, they sort of dig around in the basement. There's like, magic and sigils, um, some angelic languages. Mm-hmm. Got a secret room. All interesting, but I I would like to accept 
Like, I wouldn't even bring this, except they find a clue. Um, it is Mason's Ladder. It becomes a very big point every time it is referenced throughout the book series as being Mason's Ladder. He, um, Star carries it through the books. It's only described this one time. Yeah. It is a zipper lighter with a cooped of a devil chomping a big cigar from roughly the late 90s. Mm-hmm. It's a very important piece in the book's anthology because um, Stark, he's not even a mean guy. He just likes, literally you can tell that like he froze his human interactions at 19. He's petty. Yeah, yeah he's because he petty. just continues to carry around this lighter and use it for the sake of, ha ha, I have it and you don't. It's literally the fact that he stole this. <laughs> That's all it is, is like, I f- this lighter. And you will never get it back. Because now it's mine. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Yep, so following... I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. Kasabian's body gets stolen, his head gets stolen too. Like, he disappears. Allegra ends up getting roped into the whole surface of the world. And actually, we, we actually meet the mysterious Dokinsky. Mm-hmm. And his old angelic spell work. Vidoc takes his new apprentice in Allegra. And he and they all go and a fellow named... Well, not all of them, just Vidoc and Stark. Yep, he's got a job for them. Yeah, he's he's like a weird collector salesman guy. Um, I know you like him, so go as hard spoiler. Uh, at, at, at any, as, as I at said, at any rate, um, Stark caused that he had. Yeah, because he's a potion. Yeah, and he's like, well, I know a guy who get more. Well, uh, we'll probably have to do. It's like, yeah, I got some quest. <laughs> you know how you hate those side missions? Well, boy, do I have a doozy. If he honestly rocked up from hell, killed the six, and then went back to hell, this book would be like as long as a fucking. Yeah. He insists on dicking around all the time. Though he tells you constantly that he's not going to do that. Listen, guys, I'm I'm gonna f- I'm gonna play Grand Theft Auto and I'm gonna drive by the room. three minutes later. You, you know you know the joke. Yeah, he, he lives that way. Mr. Moonen, Kyle. Mr. Moonen is very short, very fat, very black, very black. And I don't mean African American. Looks like obsidian or oil. Yeah. Weird to visualize. You know those pop vinyls where they're like, fuck it, and just a shiny co- Yeah. He's a, he's a fat little one of those. Yeah. Um, and he lives in an office building that doesn't exist, surrounded by stuff that no one's ever heard of. Or if they have heard of it, they have no idea where it is. He's been collecting since the birth of, like, humans full of... Yeah. But he's just a fun little dude, and he speaks in a weird voice. He's lovely. Yeah, according to the audio, he sounds... He's lovely. Is that all you is that Yeah, all that's him? it. All right. I like to see your gauge. Look, I could Mr. say a lot more, but I can't say a lot more. Look, Moonen matters. He's he's a good dude. <laughs> okay. I will keep him. All right. Yep, so inside his vast and impossible cave of treasures, Mr. Moonen has a deal for Stark and Vidoc. In order to replace the priceless fluid with spiritus death, mm-hmm. um, uh, they will have to go and steal an item from... Uh, I think I've misspelled that. Um, a, va- a villa. It's a place called a villa. Mm. It is a gentleman's club, a very special one. It is also the most exclusive and expensive bordello in the country. A yeah. fancy tuxedo plucked from the cave of for each of them. Eugene and Stark go to the club through the third indoors. Well, yes. It's, you know. Because yeah, why not? Um, and, yeah, they, they rock up to this fancy gentleman's club. Um, it's a drug-filled, rich party scene. Dark describes it as an incestuous backslapping. Yeah, it's, it's for the 1%. But, like, this is the point one. That are there to help. No! No! Yep, so I wonder how much Moonen was aware of this place because A, it's owned by Jane Ann and the Circle people, as, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, and B, the bordello portion of the place contains you sex like Angel one. Mm. Um, so it's also a good scene to show that Stark is the story, not. No, there's not a lot there. 
He tries. He think he thinks he he's smarter well. than he is. Like he's good at maybe solving crimes towards the end of the book, but he's usually caused himself some dramas to get there. Yeah. Like in the, in this moment. He's um, like, I could use plan A, I could use plan B, but plan V is looking great. I'm just gonna meander my way through and see how it goes. Um, yeah, so V-Doc is trying to crack the safe in the office, which they've wandered, and when they find out that it's owned by Jane Ann, Stark's like, I gotta go kill this lady. And V-Doc's like, just fucking relax, man. We'll get our prize, we'll go. Look, we know where she lives now. We can plan a sweet ambush and come back later. Oh, goddamn it, Stark's gone. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, listen, you know, in his picture of French accent, he's like, listen, buddy, just fucking relax. We have literally all the time in the world. I'm just gonna look back over here. I'm just gonna go back to the safe. Goddamn. Off he goes. Yep. Next location. Like, yeah, he goes and does his magical shoot. Yeah, he, he attempts He's to like, kill I'm here to kill that woman. Oh no, they're secure. Yeah. Yep. So, next location we get a glimpse into is the Lollipop Dolls, an anime and cosplay place owned by Little Cherry Moon. I love the visual. Again, I love the chemist. I guess it's anti chemistry. Mm. I love the lack of chemistry between Cherrick and Stark. I love the visual of this Sin City looking motherfucker stepping into a Hello Kitty gift shop and being accosted by half a dozen of Cherry Moon Entourage. All with the same magic, like children. Yeah. Could you imagine, like, Marv from Sin City with all the, like, after he jumps to the he's all band aided on Scott, just meandering in and then a bunch of hentai characters are like, get the fuck out of here. Like, fuck you, shorty. Yeah. <laughs> It's, Should you have me talking like that? I, just, I love the video. Yep, the bulk of this episode is me getting people up to speed on characters, moments, and locations that the movie will fucking hopefully have. Yeah. And this is definitely in my list. We, we are very, like... One of them pulls a knife on him. I want to see as, it. As we read <laughs> through these series, we definitely are like, oh, I, this person would be perfect for this role, or this is how they would have to film this, or, you know, it's written so well that I'm very nervous they're going to screw it up. Yeah. Um, as Stark is leaving the store, Parker calls out to him from across the road, and it's back to the gritty, violent magic somewhere with Crank and Constant. Yeah. yeah. So it's back to that. It's a fun run-around fight scene with Stark. Um, he gets cheated out of a win by Mason, who appears and seems to reset Parker before the fight, two before the fight, before they both dis once again. Now I'm sure you're asking, why where? Why were they nearby in the first place? Yes. That's what you're asking. Why, why were they nearby in the first place, Toby? Well... The Circle members could help the resurface Stark in finding, and that is why they took Yeah. They know he's... Perhaps. And he's pretty much covering his tracks. He's stolen Kasabian. Um, Jane Ann mysteriously got beat to death by, by maybe a guy named Parker. Interesting. Oh, literally. Um, yep, so Cherry is literally, at this point, the final nail in the coffin, and that goes... And for her, it's either die via Parker, or maybe cut a deal with Stark and her. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of good options. She's usually on the... And and Parker's pretty low. He's not going to kill you nice. Um, with that, Stark heads to... Like, they, they organise a meeting to talk, him and Cherry. Um, not before meeting another world leader in charge of the town's neo-Nazi group. Yay! Um, he steals a nut and attempting to smoke in the shell. Those are some things that... I can... Um, We're not... <laughs> this isn't a very, um... I gotta, I gotta skip through things. It's a fucking novel. What do you want from me? Yeah. But yes, he does try to smoke in the shell. Do you want to talk about what a nut... Um, it's a hellion weapon mm-hmm. that, I don't know, it's, it's... It's based on an exaggerated Spanish snake. Yeah. Whip. Yeah, it's kind but of it's like a, a whip, but he can but turn it into other weapons. It's all sorts of things. It's, it's a fluid 
weapon. I kind of. Do you remember those wooden? It would like push the bo- the bottom. Yeah. And the toy on top would go. All I kind of picture like a horrible weapon. Yeah. Because it does. It kind of starts. It does off, change shape that way. For for the most part, it's like a. It's small enough that it can fit in his. Like, so. Yeah, but he fits it in his jacket, so I think of it as being like I mean, it, the, a little bit longer than a wand. Yeah. Um, but we're still going with Harry Potter, you know, crossovers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a hard one to describe. But no, he can like manipulate it into whatever weapon he requires for whatever job he's doing. Yeah, yeah I mean, so it, it might be a favorite. scythe. It might be a. It was spear. his favorite in hell. Yeah. In the, because it. Very versatile. Yeah. It depends on just how you flick it out as to what it is. Mm-hmm. But not in like a bullshit magic way. You scratched the bottom of my foot. That's the most... You stand it on my chair. Don't do that. Um, yep. Anyway, Cherry doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. Instead, uh, we meet the Texas thorn in our sides. This guy begins as a marshal for the vigil, which is Homeland Security Subrosa Magic Suppression Unit. Um, he's very religious and would probably be a witch burner. I would call his opinions on the in, on the magicians in the world uh, racist. Very much so. Yes. Um, and he's like a long-running antagonist over the series. He's the first one in the series all stuck by his hell title, Sandman Slim. Um, like I said, he has a lot of names. Yes. Slim because he's skinny in comparison to Demons. And yep. Sandman is not. Yeah. Hitman skinny. How do you feel about... Well, How, He goes between being okay and being the most annoying on the planet. I agree, but it's because... I hate, but it's because he's good. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you know how like there's actors that you can't, see, but that just means they're good at acting. Like how everyone felt about the kid. Mm. He's like that. It's like God. I hate, but it's also it. He's like the perfect opposite Stark. It works really well. The fact that I hate him. But and that's the thing. Stark doesn't like him. They're so opposite of each other. One's, yeah. One's a hellbull. The other one's a heaven worshiper. And Stark always a ragtag group of idiots, like a well-formed, well-organized fucking government organization. Yeah. And that's the thing, you've got to remember, because it's written from Stark's perspective. He sucks. It's not a... <laughs> there's a know, bias, obviously. Yeah, there's a there's a very strong bias written in mm. what Stark talks about. Well, I, I think he's I think he's a really good villain, because I he sucks so hard for me. Yeah. But that's, that's the point, I like that. Um, yeah, so Wells takes him to meet his boss, who is the woman in charge of the Golden Vigil. And I use woman in a loose fashion, because she's an angel. I later. I always, um... Make sure to pronounce the E and I. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't see her with wings out much. Mostly she's just wearing, like, power suits. Well, she does work. And she talks of the Kishi. Yeah. A, now, aliens, angels, <laughs> and humans were made by, like, they're made in God's divine light, and all, but life grew unchecked in the darkness. While God was distracted by these new pets and playthings, a mold was growing under the bed. Mm-hmm. These are the Kishi. Evil little buggy demons that move freely among the universe whenever they want. They are one of the few things that can go in between Earth and Hell and all that stuff. They fought with angels, but a truce was made, and because neither side could do much about the other. Um, they could inspire chaos in humans within some limits, and the Golden Vigil was made to monitor their behavior. Yeah. Um, recently, they have begun to get very brash. Um, a deal with, you know, maybe they've made a deal with a human or something. They're, they're, up, they're doing a thing. They're, they're doing being, something they're being that shady. they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. However, they're the bad guys, so do we really expect them to do anything? Um, Hellions can't get to Earth, so maybe in the past, let's say, let's say they hypothetically maybe they dragged a young man from his circle of mids into hell itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like that. Weird. Yeah, but Akishi, they might be able to swing. A Hellion couldn't drag Stark. No. Like like what happened. So 
with Stark more than a little stubborn to be part of God's divine plan, he doesn't really want to work for it all. No. Especially a leader, her attitude. But he's mad at God because... Because he's having a bad time. Yeah, but it's also, you know, he should have helped. Why didn't anyone come pick me up in hell? I, look, I messaged an Uber and they kept coming near me, but they kept driving right back away. It's him. He's like the little schoolboy that didn't get picked up after soccer practice. He's like, my mum will remember that I'm dead. She you know? No. Now he's mad and now he's, he's living he's, with his dad. And... Now he's a weird little feral who yeah. stole the apartment above a video store. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Alita gets mad at him for saying, no, fuck you and fuck God. Um, she stabs him with her gladius. Is that a thing? Do yeah. angels have a normal yeah. It's a sort of fire that angels... It's godlike. No. Yes. No. Kind. No. Alright, so maybe after after kind of dying a second time, Stark wakes up in Kinski's exam room. So, Stark has been stabbed to death by a gladiator. Good night, everybody. Stay tuned for part two. Yeah, obviously we're going to keep going. He's he's not dead. There's some technicality. I'm not going to do the these Batman cliffhanger on you. This is just a good spot for us to wrap up for the... Yeah. Okay. Yep, stay tuned. Subscribe. Same okay. slim channel, same slim time. No, I don't like it. <laughs> um, so far, for this... We're currently recording this in one of my nephew's bedrooms while hiding from my Said very nephews. large family. Yeah. <laughs> while it's pouring rain, like, torrentially. Apparently, like, the worst rain that we've had in two years. It's going well. Yeah. <laughs> right, I've been your host, Toad Uh, class.